I'm so excited to get into the word of God. I had an incredibly impactful time with the Lord this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe you spent more time praying and, and, and just seeking God in this season. And I want to talk to you this morning about two things. I want to talk to you about ropes and rocks. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, just write that down. Ropes and rocks. Father, I'm asking that people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would come to pass. I'm asking, Lord God, that we would see your hand move and we would be encouraged in faith. And all God's people said, amen. You know, in the body of Christ, to understand the word of God, you really need to understand kingdom. Matter of fact, kingdom is the foundation of what God's plan was on planet earth. In Genesis chapter number one, he created man in his likeness and in his image, and he gave mankind dominion. He decreed that man would have dominion. In Genesis chapter number two, he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed the breath of life into his lungs. He confirmed that man had dominion. And then from that point on, God never took dominion away from mankind. Dominion means to dominate. And a kingdom means to, means a king's dominion or where a king dominates. So for years and years, the people of God were looking for, the people of God were looking for a king. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, God gave the people uh, judges and, and also prophets, but they said that they wanted a king. So God gave them a king in, in the form of a man named Saul, who would later be replaced uh, by King David, who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. But everybody, all the people wanted a king. So they were always looking for a king. Now, I want you to understand that if you live in America, you live in a republic. We vote by a democracy. And in a democracy, if you don't like the person who is in power or who has been elected previously, you can vote them out. But a kingdom is nothing like that. As a matter of fact, you can't vote God out of anything. You can't vote the Lord Jesus Christ out of anything. The only power you have when it comes to voting on the Lord Jesus Christ is you can elect to receive salvation from him. But you cannot vote him off the throne. You can't vote him away from his rulership. No, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the Bible says that he is the king of kings. Now that's important to understand because Jesus is not just a king, he's the king of kings. So a reasonable question is, who's the kings he's king of? Well, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that you and me have been made kings and priests unto our God. That's right. You have a royal bloodline. That's why something on the inside of you is always pressing for more and is hurt and harmed when you see injustice because you are called to be a king and a priest under our God subject to the king of kings, of course, but you are called to be a king in the kingdom of God. Now, this is important because we're at the time where we're starting Holy Week. 
Holy Week is whenever we uh, uh, remember the week that Jesus came to Jerusalem and, and it was eventually uh, killed on a criminal's cross for you and me. And so Holy Week is a very impactful time in a believer's life. But the people that were alive at that time, the Jews were under Roman rulership and they were looking for a king that would come deliver them in the natural. So they were constantly looking for where is our Messiah King? Where is he? And they were looking for him to show up with a great army and to, to overthrow the Roman Empire and to see just a mighty move in the natural. But God was doing things in a very unique way. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter number 19, starting in verse 28, this is when Jesus is coming to Jerusalem for the last week before he is crucified. And the Bible starts and says this. Matter of fact, let me just stop for just a second. Just look me right in the face. And I, and I want to just continue to say to our first touch team how much I appreciate you. The only part of the word of God that you can use is the part of the word of God that gets on the inside of you. The Bible says out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. You must in this season in particularly, but when this virus is over, you've got to get the word of God in you. That's why when this church started seven years ago, when my wife picked up, my wife and I picked our little family up and moved over to an area that we didn't know one human being, we decreed and declare we will be a house that teaches the word of the living God. Because what you need when times get tough is not a catchphrase. You need to know what does God's word say. So from the inception of our church, uh, the word of God has had a paramount, uh, has been paramount in importance. And so today we're going to read several scriptures and I want you to understand you've got to get that Bible in you because if you don't know what the Bible says, you don't even know what your rights are as a believer. So we've got to get real impactful with the word of God and get real strategic about the word of God. Okay. So grab your Bible. Come on, uh, you can't say I left my Bible at home because you are at home. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open that Bible, boom. If it's, a, if it's an iPad or a phone, open it up, read it with your own eyeballs while I'm reading it because you gotta get the word in you. If there's nothing else that you get out of these uh, uh, this time that we can only meet together digitally, you've gotta get an understanding that you must, you must get the word of God on the inside of you. Catchphrases and colloquialisms and those types of things will fade away. Don't you live your life based off of something you heard or said or you heard somebody say on Instagram. Don't you live your life based off of something you saw written on a mural on a wall if it's not the word of the living God. You find out what the word of the living God says and the word of the living God is the holy B-I-B-L-E. You find out what that book says 
says and you stand on it till you can't stand anymore. You grip it until the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, cannot be pried out of your hands. Oh God, give us a church that holds so tightly and so closely to your word that nothing can remove it from our grips. Nothing can remove it from our grasp. Let your word be manifest in your life. In our life, Lord God. But you got to know what it says in order to stand on it. That's why we always go to the word of God. Here we go. Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus is coming and Holy Week is about to start. That's what we call it now in hindsight. But he's coming. He's about a week out of being crucified. And the Bible says, when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending to Jerusalem. So he was going to Jerusalem and it came to pass when he was come nigh or came near to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount, which is called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying this, verse 30, we're on verse 30, go into the village over against you, the next village in the, which at your entering, in other words, as soon as you walk in, you're going to find a colt tied whereon yet Never man sat. Nobody has ever sat on this colt. He said, loose him and bring him here. So Jesus says to the disciples as they're going, they're making their way to Jerusalem. They, he says, I need you to go and go into the village next door, the village next to us. You're going to find a colt that nobody has sat on. I want you to uh, untie that colt and bring him back to me. Verse 31. And if anybody asks, if anybody asks you, why do you lose him? Thus you say unto him, because the Lord has need of him. Let me just tell you something. If the Lord says it, that settles it. If you have somebody in your life that asks, well, why do you do this? You know, why do you honor God? Why do you love God? Why do you pray over your food? Why do you tithe? Why do you offer? Why do you believe God? Why do you believe in God's version of marriage? Why do you believe that a baby is a baby is a baby is a baby? Why do you believe all these things? You just tell them, if God says it, that settles it with me. The disciples were instructed to go find this bait, this young uh, animal, this young colt that nobody had ever ridden on. And he said, if anybody asks you what you're doing, you tell them the Lord have need of it. The Lord has need of it. Verse 32. Give me a little bit more audio right here. Verse 32. And they said, and they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. In other words, exactly what God told them, what Jesus said was there. A little bit more. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. In other words, they did exactly what Jesus said. Verse 35. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt and they put Jesus or they sat Jesus on top of the colt. And verse 36, and as they went, people were spreading their clothes, their coats 
all over the road. And so Jesus is riding this colt that nobody's ever sat on. And they're, they're, they put some of their garments on the colt. Jesus is sitting on the garments on the colt. And people are throwing their cloak, their, their cloaks and their, their, their jackets in front of this, uh, in front of this colt that Jesus is riding on. Verse 37. And when it came nigh, or when it came near, uh, uh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, now, this is not just the 12. So when you hear the word disciple in the Bible, when you read that, a little bit more audio, please. When you read the word disciple, you got you to gotta determine, is it talking about just the 12 or is it talking about every, everybody that believes on the Lord? At this time, it's talking about everybody that believes on Jesus. It's talking about everybody that follows him. And the scripture says that they all began to rejoice. All the disciples, all the believers began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen. Verse 38 saying this, blessed be the king. Come on, somebody. Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, the reason this is so important and the reason Jesus had them go get this uh, young, several translations and, and several other versions indicate that it was a donkey, a young donkey, is because there was a prophet named Zechariah in the Old Testament. You can go look it up, Zechariah 9 and 9. And he prophesied that the king would come riding on a colt that nobody had ever ridden on. And so they were looking, maybe they didn't even know it because you got to understand, Everybody on the planet didn't have the Old Testament, which was the Bible at that time, memorized. Everybody on the planet didn't know exactly what all the prophets said. So Zechariah had prophesied that the king was going to come on a colt that no man had ever ridden on. So Jesus saying, I need you guys to go get me that colt that nobody's ever ridden on, was the fact that Jesus was actually fulfilling a prophecy that had happened years and years before. So they're right. He's riding in on this donkey. People are throwing their, their coats. This is also Palm Sunday. Another translation says they were waving palm branches and they were saying, here comes the king. Here comes the king. They were singing Hosanna in the highest. They were decreeing and declaring that the king of the Jews had arrived and the whole multitude was rejoicing saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is just riding on the donkey. Remember today we're talking about ropes and rocks. The Bible says they were rejoicing saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then verse 39, and some of the Pharisees, everybody say boo. Some of the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were the religious people. They were the ones who were trying to make it hard to get to God. They were the ones who... Most of the time in the Bible, the ones that we learned about were very haughty towards people and they were very strong about themselves. So at our church, we believe that our goal is to love people and to point them to Christ. So the Pharisees were kind of the opposite. The, the Pharisees, they like loved themselves and they pointed people away from God. No, you're not good enough. Go away. 
No, you're not good enough. Go away. No, you haven't, you haven't suffered enough. Get out of here. Or they would tell people, you're suffering because you did something wrong. You're suffering because this happened. You're suffering because of all the bad decisions you made. And they would constantly point the picture at themselves. That's what the Pharisees would do. So when Jesus came as this humble king that had all power and all authority, could tell demons to go and the demons would go, to tell people to be healed and they were immediately healed, it threatened their status quo. It threatened their normal operations. So some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, they said, listen to this. They said, master, you need to rebuke your disciples. They were saying this. These people worship too much. Oh God, let that be said of me that I've worshiped too much. Let it be said of me that I've made Jesus the paramount in my life. Let it be said of me that I didn't care what somebody else said. Let it be said of me that I didn't care what somebody said about my worship. Let it be said of me that in this season, I was still full of faith. I was still decreeing and declaring the word of the living God. Let it be said of me. He just takes it too far. You know, he said, he said, the, the, the Pharisees said, you need to rebuke your disciples. You need to tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said this. He said, he said, I tell you this, or I tell you that. If these people held their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Remember, we're talking about ropes and rocks this morning. He said this. He said, if these people were quiet, the stones around you would shout. Because this moment is bigger than your little mind is thinking. Let me just say this. In our adult life, those of you who are adults, we've never seen anything like this. No, this is a very, very unique time. And it is not the time for passivity. It is not the time to grow weary in well-doing. Maybe you feel like you're tied up. Maybe you feel like you're locked down. Let me just say this. There was a cult. I've been around horses a lot of my life. And if you've never ridden a horse before, or if a horse has never been ridden before, a lot of times it's not just happy about having somebody on top of it. And I've seen a lot of times horses be tied up and they're not happy about being tied up. Maybe that's you and you feel tied up and locked down in your spirit today. Maybe this whole season has felt, made you just feel like nothing's, nothing's coming together. Everything's just got you bound up. Well, I wonder if just for a minute, if we couldn't find a way to thank God for the rope. Because a horse in a pasture running is beautiful and they're, they're great to take video of and pictures of, but you can't use them. A horse running across a pasture, wild and crazy, is beautiful. If you're in America, that's one of the great symbols of the, of the, of the wild west is to see horses running free. But that's a horse that can't be used. That's a horse that can't carry a message. That's the horse that can't carry a messenger. That's a horse that can't carry a king. But that colt was tied with a rope. And I'll bet you that young horse, that young donkey, was sitting there thinking, I'm sick of being tied up. 
I'm tired of being tied up to this fence every day. They come, they bring me here, they tie me up, they give me a little bit of hay, and I just stay tied up my whole life. And he had no idea that he was tied up because he was perfectly positioned to be used by the king. I'm wondering if you can't thank God for the rope. What was it in your life that you can look back on and say, man, I thought I was tied up. I thought I couldn't move. But now I look back and it was God holding me in one place long enough until Jesus himself could actually use me. I'm wondering if you can't thank God for the rope. God, I thank you for the ropes in my life. I thank you for the times that I was I was thinking I knew what was best for me and I was praying, but you held me in a place long enough where there was a, a new level of certainty that came in me and by the time that you showed up in, in order to actually use me in that time, I was perfectly positioned because you held me. You kept me still and stable in a moment. This is a moment in time where it's almost like everybody's just feeling tied up right now. I wonder if we can't thank God for the rope for just a minute. If it wasn't for the rope, would we be running wild to our own ambitions? The colt undoubtedly didn't enjoy being haltered all the time. But sometimes it's the rope that keeps you in the place where God's going to meet you. Sometimes it's the rope that keeps you in a condition where God can use you. All you teenagers, you hear this preacher. Don't you curse the rope that your parents have you held with. They are keeping you from doing things that will cause you pain that you can't understand right now. I thank God for being raised by godly parents. That when I watch people going through things, there's things I didn't go through. I'm not, I'm not happy somebody else went through it. I'm telling you in your life, you can be the one that protects your offspring from some of the things they could encounter if it wasn't for the rope. If it wasn't for saying, no, baby, I can't let you go do that because the Lord has need of you. I can't let you just go run wild. I can't let you just go do everything you think right now. The Lord has need of you. I wonder if there's not somebody watching online that can just thank God for the rope. That can thank him for holding me when I thought you were, when I thought you were keeping me from running, you were actually positioning me to be used. I'm wondering if we can't thank God for the rope. Jesus starts to ride that young donkey down the middle of the road in some godless, arrogant, religious Pharisee starts mocking the worship of God's people. He says, oh, they shouldn't do that. Maybe it sounds like this in 2020. That's too many lights. Why they got all those cameras? They don't need all that. How does it look right now? Stop paying attention to the worship of others and worship the king yourself. 
talking about the ropes and the rocks. Oh, they don't need all that. That's too much. What is too much for the one who would pour his whole life out for you? What is too much? What is too much? What what is too much for the one who stands beside his father at the day your life is required of you? What is too much? For the one who stood in between the executioner that was coming for you. What is too much? The Pharisees said, oh, they're taking it too far. They need to calm down. They need to shut their mouth. They need to be quiet. And Jesus said, if these people didn't shout, these rocks would scream out in praise. I've thought about it before. What would a rock say? What could a stone possibly be able to say? I remember one. There was a lady caught in the act of adultery. And a bunch of Pharisees like the guy we're talking about. Were about to kill her. They were about to murder her with rocks. Stones. And Jesus walks up and the Pharisees tried to trick him. They said, the law says that we're supposed to kill her. What do you say? And Jesus said said this. He said, whoever is without sin should cast the first stone. What they didn't know is they were talking to the rock of our salvation when they said that. And Jesus standing there sinless could have legally thrown a stone if he wanted to. Based off of what he had just said. The one who is without sin should cast the first stone. That was him. He was the only one qualified. And the Bible says that that after he said this. That all the Pharisees lost all their venom. And they dropped their stones and went away. And Jesus says to the lady. He says where are your accusers? She says they're gone. He says neither do I condemn you. Go. And sin no more. I'll bet you one of those rocks that was in the sweaty, hate-filled hand of a Pharisee would have something to say about the goodness of God. Because when all the people had run away, all that was left was the witness of the stones that were meant to kill her, that were actually surrounding her now, verifying that she had been set free. I'll bet those stones had something good to say. I'm reminded of a shepherd boy. Who walked onto a battlefield to defend his kingdom because he had already been told he was the next king. And he reached down into his pouch and he pulled out a smooth stone. See, church, a stone needs to be smooth in the hands of God because it is in the smoothness of the stone that we're able to deliver something without all the rough, hard edges. The Bible says that he had gotten these stones from a brook. In other words, the water had been washing over these stones for hundreds, potentially thousands of years. The Bible talks about the word of God being the washing of the water of the word. The word of God washes the rough edges off of us 
so that when it's time to be used in the hand of our king, we are ready. We are prepared. He puts that stone in his sling and he he begins to spin the sling around. And just at the right moment, he lets that stone go and, and it flies at the speed of a bullet and buries itself in the head of that giant. And before you know it, David was standing over that dead giant after using his own sword against him. I'll bet you that stone would have something to say about the goodness of God. I'll bet you that rock would have something to say about the goodness of God. No, even the stones, even the rocks under your feet know how good God is. And right now on Palm Sunday, I'm wondering if we can't just take the magnifying glass off our life for a minute. Look from a bigger perspective. What rope did you curse that actually brought you to your place of blessing? What did you have that held you in a spot long enough that God could use you that now you look back on and say, man, I thank God for the rope. What have you been through in your life that is enough by itself to give God praise for for the rest of your very life? That you have risked having stones shout louder than you. Having rocks praise him better than you. I want to talk this morning about ropes and rocks. It's the ropes and the rocks of our life. But especially on Palm Sunday. Bring us to a place of beautiful repentance turning from our old life and exuberant worship. Maybe that's you. You said, man, I I never thought about what God might have been keeping me from by having me tied up. I never thought about being outdone by a rock. You know, the interesting thing about a rock is he never put his breath in a rock. But he put his breath in you. And so in this moment, right where you are, maybe you got your family with you. Maybe husband, wife sitting on a couch. If your kids are with you, I want you to just put your hand on your children right where you are. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to forgive us. Each one of us if we've ever cursed the rope that he tied us with. I'm going to ask God to empower us that we'll never have a stone, an inanimate object taking our place. But rather, even in this season, in this time, that we would see him move in our homes. We would see him move in our families conversations would come up that wouldn't come up. You got a lot of time to talk now. Conversations would come up that maybe haven't come up before. Now right where you are, just put your hand on your children. Hold hands with your wife, your husband. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
we honor you today. And we thank you for the ropes that held us and positioned us in our life that you used so that we could be used. I thank you, Lord God, that no stone will take our place, that we'll be people that love you, that magnify you, that are excessive and exuberant in our worship, that our homes are becoming sanctuaries once again. That our lives are being renewed by your power. Now God, I speak this over every person. I speak this over every household. And I decree and declare a new thing this Palm Sunday, 2020. As we get close to Passover. I speak a new level of grace in each house. That patience would grow with children that patience would grow with parents spouses loved ones that we would see you move in our homes again in Jesus name and all God's people said amen amen God bless you listen drop me a comment if you just are willing to thank God for the rope drop me a comment if you refuse to be outdone by a rock No, it's a different time. Make no mistake. I don't believe it's an indefinite time. But it is a different time. And so for us, we're going to hold fast our profession of faith even in this season. And we're going to see God move. And we're going to see His hand move. And we're going to see Him do what He said He would do. If you're just tuning in, my name is Brian Hallam. I'm the pastor here at New Heights Church. I strongly encourage you to go back and watch this message. But maybe you're tuning in and you've never given your life to Jesus. Our First Touch team is standing by to pray with you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Let me lead you in a prayer and then I want you to let us know that today's the day when you've given your life to Him. When you said, you know what? I've spent too much time staring at the rope. I spent too much time staring at somebody else's worship that I never thanked Him for the rope. And I never decided to join in. Maybe that's you. If you need to give your life to God today. Say I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. Jesus is not Lord of my life. If that's you. Just pray this prayer after me. From the bottom of your heart. Matter of fact. The whole church. Everybody watching. Let's pray this together. Say oh God. I come to you now. And I ask you to save me. Write my name. In your book. I believe Jesus died. And rose from the dead. For my victory. I'm a Christian now on my way to heaven in Jesus name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I believe you've been born again. Make sure and tune in with us on Wednesday night. We have all kind of content available for you. Uh, You can also stop by newheightschurch.info. We have all kind of teaching available there as well. Make sure and like us and follow our pages, both New Heights and Pastor Brian Hallam. Matter of fact, every Friday night, I release a new episode at brianhallam.com and on my Facebook page. And I pray it'll be a blessing to you. Well, that's all I have for you today. But I do want to encourage you a few things. Our children's ministry released at 9 a.m. this morning. Go back and watch that with your kids. Also, 
Uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to be teaching a Passover message that is, I, I believe God just downloaded it into my spirit this morning. When Pastor Matt came in my office this morning, early, we get together in the mornings before service to make sure that we're on the same page. I could barely speak. The presence of God had been so, had been so just enveloping in a, for an extended period of time this morning. And I believe God downloaded to me an incredible uh, Passover message that I can't wait to share. I believe it's timely. That'll be this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So you can catch us right here on the live stream. And then also, every Tuesday, I go live at 10 a.m. And this Tuesday, I have a very special guest. And you already know him and you already love him. Pastor Reginald Steele from Phoenix, Arizona is going to be on the live stream with us this Tuesday at 10 a.m. So mark your calendar, set a reminder, go follow and make sure and subscribe to both the uh, New Heights Facebook page as well as as well as the Pastor Brian Hallam's Facebook page because we're going to be live. We're going to be sharing about uh, what's going on in Texas, around the world, and specifically in Phoenix. Well, God bless you. Listen, I love you. I so, so, so miss seeing your faces. Stay connected with your life groups. Stay connected with your first touch team. Pray for somebody. Help somebody. Believe God in the face of all adversity. Don't let the news set your faith. Let the word of God set your faith in Jesus' name. Father, I ask you to bless your people coming in. Bless them going out. Bless them in the city and the field this day and every day as we commit together to love people and point them to Christ.